Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. SummerSlam Tuesday. It is me, your managing editor of Wrestling Inc., Nick Hausman, back with another episode of The Winkly, and joined here as I am just about every Tuesday by my good friend Michael Weissman. Michael, welcome back to The Winkly. Hell yeah, dude. Waking me up with that, getting me energized for the day, for the week, for wrestling, for life. I'm ready, man. This is going to be a fantastic show. I agree. This is going to be a fantastic show. Uh, I was in Toronto here uh, since Thursday of last week, um, covering all of the events on the ground uh, from SummerSlam weekend. And uh, while I was on the ground, I managed to get 10 sit-down interviews with various talents uh, throughout the week. And today, we're going to be playing the audio for three of those here uh, after uh, we finish up the news block here. All three of these interviews in video form will be available on the Wrestling Inc. YouTube page uh, as soon as this show goes live. So if you enjoy listening to it or you want to pause it and you want to go watch them over in video form over on the YouTube channel, you can go ahead and do all of that. And today on the show, the three interviews we're going to be rolling out here uh, for my on-the-ground coverage uh, in Toronto uh, is current WWE superstar Dolph Ziggler. Uh, we also have uh, the former number one contender for the Ring of Honor World Championship, Alex Shelley. And we also have Ring of Honor commentator Ian Riccoboni here today. Now, the Alex and Ian interviews were recorded backstage at ROH Summer Supercard just before the show went on the air, a couple hours before. And the Dolph Ziggler interview was recorded at about 12.30 in the morning, uh, the day he was set to face Goldberg at SummerSlam, which we'll get to uh, chat about here in a little bit. So very proud of all three of these interviews. And uh, Michael, you were you were very nice uh, to take all of the content that I did and you chopped it up and you made it look beautiful and you put the logo on it. And I thank you for that. Oh, of course. Yeah, I was going to say, I've seen all the interviews. You're more than welcome. I've seen all the interviews, although by see them, I mean I dropped the logo on and then watched them export and process and all that jazz. So I haven't watched all of them yet, but I'm glad you answered the question about Dolph Ziggler because in the interview, 
it very clearly is nighttime and Dolph Ziggler has a drink in his hand and all this jazz. And then you say, good luck tonight against Goldberg. And I'm like, was he drinking in the middle of the afternoon? What's going on here? So yeah, yeah. appreciate the context. Yeah, no, no. I put, I was like, you know what? It's after midnight. It's day of now. This is a day of SummerSlam interview. And yeah, he had a little scotch whiskey, whatever it was in his hands. And, uh, very loose, very casual. Uh, I want to thank Dolph for the time. I want to thank, thank all three, Dolph, Alex, Ian, for the time. Uh, I, I promise you guys we've got a lot of big interviews to roll out here throughout the week. Uh, we are just getting started. So, um, and you got time with these dudes, too, Like so especially some of these Ring of, Honor, Ring of Honor fellas. you got 10, 12, 15 minutes with some, some mm-hmm. pretty cool people, so awesome job. Yeah, the Alex Shelley piece here today I'm, I'm particularly uh, excited about. But, yeah, you know, it was great. You know, Ring of Honor showed up. They're comfortable with me now. They just gave me a room backstage. I basically was just getting to – pull people to the side and, uh, and and drag them into the room to talk. So I, I you guys are really absolutely going to love it. Um, and uh, one last thing before we get to uh, the news here today, I want to send out our best uh, to former WWE Divas champion Jillian Hall, who has announced that she is currently pregnant. So congratulations, Jillian and Mr. Jillian Hall uh, for, for expecting a child there. Good news to start the show. I always like doing that. That's uh, awesome. A future American Idol contestant right there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I hope they're not born with that big. I hope the mole trait isn't passed <laughs> down genetically there. You know? Oh, uh, they're digging into the archives for a terrible storyline. Boogeyman ate that thing. It was gross. Uh, all right. Well, let's get to it here. News you can use. News that'll leave a bruise. Uh, it was WWE SummerSlam over the weekend. And you know what? Before we get to SummerSlam, uh, I want to talk a little bit about what my my week was like. Uh, leading into SummerSlam here because there were other events that uh, don't get talked about here on the run sheet. I actually got it Thursday, uh, Thursday afternoon at 4.30. I got to go watch uh, WXW. Are you familiar with Germany's WXW promotion, Michael? I'm not. I'm not. Uh, it's great, man. It's very different. It's hard-hitting. It reminds me of Bloodsport. There were no flips, no dives, no brawling outside the ring. Just two dudes in the ring. The only way you could win was by submission or knockout. And, uh, you know, the main event, you know, it's like a mini tournament they did in a little over two hours. The main event was Walter versus Timothy Thatcher. I watched about in front of about, you know, 80, 100 fans. Just us. That, that's awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking them up on YouTube and there's a picture of uh, Walter right there just jugger, juggernauting over somebody else. So, yeah, that's, that's awesome. It's really intense. I highly recommend WXW. I didn't know what to expect. I only was really there because I was in town and there was this was the only wrestling show going on. Thought it was great. The other thing I like about WXW was. They do a, a 10 count when you hit the mat, like boxing style, you know, and if you can't make the 10 count, then you're knocked out and, the, and your opponent wins. But the 10 count isn't like one, two, it's like one, two, three, four. And so you see guys just drop and then have to real quickly hobble to their feet. Different pacing. I would highly recommend it. It was really it's kind of cool. like how New Japan does the outside the ring count. It's a 20 count, but they do the quicker pace, which makes a lot more sense than the referees in WWE do the dramatic one. Yes. Know? Yeah. And it was it was cool, too, because sometimes the refs would start the count. They'd be like, one, two, three. And then they'd look at the guy and kind of slap. They'd be like, you know what? This is over. This man is obviously knocked out. And uh, I really dug that. Uh, then that night on Thursday, I got to see my first progress wrestling show. Uh, Jim Smallman, I believe, is the owner of that company. He was the MC for that night. What a fantastic time. Walter was back on that show uh, as well, and uh, it was just great. Got got to see good action. Highly recommended. I was drinking at the bar with a bunch of people. It's a good late-night drink and watch wrestling show. I'll say that. Progress. What a wonderful time. Um, and then Friday was Ring of Honor. Did you have a chance to watch Summer Supercard, Michael? Saw some of it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, Summer Supercard was a blast. Again, the pre-show interviews were good. Uh, the match I would recommend the most coming out of that show would be the Briscoe's G.O.D. Ladder Wars match. Very hard hitting, and uh, Jay Briscoe uh, got got a cut down his back 
that was just gnarly. It's just gross. This man bled quite a bit. And uh, I met a friend uh, at, at the on Thursday named Noah, who we wound up going to many of the same shows with. And I actually wound up sitting with Noah during the show on Friday, and he pointed out that they were using Wagner ladders, which are professional lag professional ladders that they use on construction sites that have no give. And that's right. probably why Jay got cut. So, if. yeah. Thank you, Noah, for pointing that out. Um, but very good show. Uh, after that, then it was on Saturday. Saturday afternoon, I got to see Mick Foley's stand-up comedy show, or his one-man show. He's no longer doing the 20 Years of Hell tour, which was all just about Hell in a Cell. So it was really cool to see Mick get to open up about a bunch of different stories. He did something during that show that I was not expecting and gave me goosebumps. And that was he... He went back into the skin of mankind. He became mankind to get on stage and cut the worm promo. That's fantastic. Isn't that weird? That's awesome. Oh, my God. He you like, know what? I, I was sitting there watching your interview with him, and, and uh, just I'm always so amazed that Mick Foley is the most down-to-earth person in the world, right? The fact that he could create these fantastical characters, dude, love mankind, a Cactus Jack, right? Build them out like this. But when you talk to him, he's just... He's just a guy, just a really down-to-earth guy. It's so cool. Yeah, it is. It is really cool. Uh, Mick and I have done some work together now, so he is very comfortable with me. Um, and the interview with Mick will drop on tomorrow's episode of Winkley. It'll go up on our YouTube channel as well. It's it's one of the longer ones I did. It's about 15 minutes long. And, uh, yeah, you know, we talk about Bray. We talked about Frank the Clown, his daughter's uh, boyfriend that he's going to face here at Warrior Wrestling at the end of the month. So it was really fun. I know you guys will like that, and, uh, and it was great getting to talk to Mick right after his stand-up set like that. But, man, that Mankind thing, that gave me goosebumps there. So rolled right from that over to TakeOver. TakeOver was awesome. I think – what do you think uh, What do you think was the match of the weekend? Do you think it was Rollins or Lesnar, or do you think it was Cole Gargano? Cole Gargano. I, Rollins and Lesnar was fantastic, was great, but Cole Gargano just went so many more different places, and there's just that underbelly of – Talk about what you will with the feud between Lesnar and Rollins lasting as long as it has. Cole Gargano just has so much history there, and it just feels raw in a way that I think Lesnar and Rollins never quite got to. Yeah, and uh, I, I agree. I thought Cole Gargano was great. That big uh, scaffold match-styled fall at the end was, was something else. Mm. Um, and uh, after that, I got to go into the back. Uh, we did the press conference with Triple H. Really not a whole ton to write home about because the first question out of the gate from uh, Mike Johnson uh, of, of PWInsider.com which we're, we are big fans of them and Mike. Um, but the, the opening question conversation with Triple H um, uh, was very awkward. Did you get to catch any of, of, yes. of what happened there between Mike and, yes. and Hunter? Yes. God, you got to love Mike. If you've ever Mike, met Mike, he is um, he's very direct. He is very, very, very direct. And he was going after it in that question, but it set a different tone for that post-game press conference. Well, to give some, to give some, uh, to, to give some context here for people that don't know what we're talking about, Mike Johnson essentially called in and was like, you know, Vince was on that media call and he said, we're not going to do blood and guts, but here you are in the main event of, of TakeOver and you've got barbed wire and you've got all these other things. Uh, you know, where where's the line here? And Hunter's like, there was no blood in that match. What are you talking about, Mike? Yada, yada, yada. Back and forth. Mike Johnson's like signal started to get lost um, in the room. I will say that the producers and stuff that like, you know, Hunter's little entourage or whatever. Everybody was kind of giggling about it. Hunter didn't. Hunter looked like. Well, he was everyone was tired because it's SummerSlam weekend. He didn't look like upset about it, but it definitely didn't seem like a question that he was really like. He didn't. He he was like, I think he's, you know, how did I describe it to somebody that I that I respected? I said, you know, it sounded like uh, what you can get trapped in sometimes as a wrestling journalist is the game of pro wrestling headline Mad Libs, where yeah. there you know where there's like certain words and subjects and people 
you want to fit together, but sometimes when you go to do it, it just it, it's forced. And I think that's what happened in this situation. And there's a whole extra layer of, of commentary here, a, a whole meta to this, which is Mike Johnson is notorious for being the first one to ring into conference. It's a game at this point, right? Oh, Mike Johnson's first and all, all that jazz. So everybody already knows Mike and knows that Mike's going to go first. But also, if you know how Triple H is in these things, he is very casual and very down to earth. and He's very direct and sometimes unnervingly so. So I think part of what set the tone here was this kind of tit for tat casualness that these guys have. And yeah, it just, it, it went to a weird place because everybody's been keyed up on this blood and guts comment from Vince McMahon, but triple H yeah. is not Vince McMahon. And I, I think, trying to ascribe those comments to NXT is a weird kind of square peg in a round hole situation. Yes. Uh, it was just, it, it, it just set a weird tone right out of the gate. And then when it got to me, it's like, I knew the question that I uh, wanted to ask and been tasked with asking was, you know, we wanted to know about Matt Riddle's comments about Jericho and Goldberg and, uh, and Lance storm and, and what Hunter thought of that. And, you know, particularly what he thought of the exchanges between Jericho and Riddle. And, uh, well, as soon as I asked it to him and I looked at him, I could see in his eyes. He's like, oh, we're doing this again, right? Like you gotta take some AEW adjacent thing and work it into this press guy. But granted, you know, Riddle's an NXT star. I, you know, it's completely in bounds and all that. It was, I think framed better than I, than Mike's was, but he only gave me like three sentences back. He's like, Riddle is an adult. I don't monitor their social media. He's a very opinionated person. That's that's all I got. You know, <laughs> like, yeah. well, he's he started doing these before AEW was a thing, right? He's been doing them for yes. a couple of years, and, and, yes. and they're great. And you've really got some some really interesting insight into the way Triple H views pro wrestling as a whole, right. the way the creative team and that they go around booking NXT. He's been really open about a lot of that stuff, how organic it is, how much of an art form it is. But also the problem is now there is legitimate competition out there that is sharing headlines with WWE and especially with NXT. And so those questions are going to come up. And I don't know that any of that was anticipated when they originally did these post-game conference shows. Yeah. So, uh, it, you know, the times they are changing here. So uh, very, that's that was just my uh, in the room. Uh, there was also by the only thing I can other say. Uh, the only other thing I can say coming out of that, there was this dad a journalist, I guess, from Toronto that brought his like seven year old or eight year old daughter to the, the presser <laughs> and they were sitting like front row. And this girl <laughs> looked like she could care less what was oh. going on. I'm talking like staring off into the distance. I'm talking like falling asleep on top of the table. You can even hear Hunter refer to it in the call at one point where he's like, I'm right there with you. I am also dead. <laughs> so like, anyway, that's what that was. If you were wondering, uh, then, uh, I left that and I went to Dolph Ziggler's late night comedy show, which I got to a little late, um, because of the takeover post-show presser. I got there just before Sarah Tiana, uh, Dolph's uh, opening comic took the stage. She was great. Uh, both Mick and Dolph were at the same venue called the rec room. Both shows were produced by the same guy, Dave, who's great. Thank you, Dave. Um, and they had a, a, a live house band called the WrestleManiacs that did all pro wrestling covers, and they came out, and one was Macho Man, one was Ric Flair, one was Steve Austin. They just rocked. So just shout That's out. amazing. That is, oh, I wish I could have been there for that. That's it, what I wish I could have seen SummerSlam weekend, those dudes. Dude, Mick Foley, he, like, did the, he brought him up on stage on a whim, and he was like, do the Shawn Michaels theme. And then he tried to do the like Kurt Angle rap to the Shawn Michaels, th to the Shawn Michaels oh. theme song. And they couldn't quite get it mashed up, but it, you know, he tried real hard. It was pretty great. Uh, Isn't but it interesting though, that your conversation with Dolph, I thought very interesting the way he talked about pro wrestling and almost it feels like 
I'm, I, this is my interpretation, right? But it feels like he's kind of using pro wrestling to 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 funnel money to his comedy endeavors. Well, uh, yeah, yes, and no. I mean, he's using what he's known for, and he's applying it to the world of comedy, which is which I think is uh, the right call. You know, when Mick yeah. Foley started doing his stand up comedy, I remember him talking about how he didn't want to do wrestling stuff. He's like, no, I want to just be a comedian. And then he goes out there and he's like, oh, that material didn't click. And he's like, then I told a couple road stories and everyone's like, oh, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. Right. So yeah. you got to know your audience. Um, but also just from a business standpoint, when Dolph talks about it, it almost seems like he's doing the wrestling still to support his comedy habit. I would a thousand percent agree with that. Yes. <laughs> and like I got there. So I got there late and I went over to Dave, who is the producer, and he got me in and he's the one who helped me. You know, uh, organized the Mick interview, and I said, Dave, if I get Dolph after his set, you know, five, ten minutes would be great. So Dave helped me set that up, uh, you know, afterwards. But so, but during it, he was like, I need you to, you know, wait over here, you know, chill out, enjoy the show, all that. And I'm standing where I was standing, and I had not realized where he had placed me was right next to the door to the green room. Okay. Oh, okay. It, it was like stage right. And so I'm like standing there, and I plug my phone, and I'm like watching. I'm like, oh, this is pretty fun. Who comes around the corner? Renee Young, just with a cocktail. She she stands right next to me, right? So I'm watching the show with Renee, right? And I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. All right, then who? You know who's the next two people out of there? Zach Ryder, Kurt Hawkins, right? <laughs> and like they'd had everybody had had a couple cocktails, right? And everybody's laughing and having a good time. And all of a sudden, I'm in this little like WWE pit, right? And I'm like, oh, this is cool. I'm like kind of getting to hear Hawkins and Ryder plan. They were about to take the stage and all that. And while I'm listening to that, who comes out of the green room next? Pat Patterson, original oh IC champion. Pat Patterson comes out. And so, like, Pat and Zach and, and Kurt are all, I don't, I don't want to give away what their personal communications are, but they're all joking around there in the corner. And I'm just watching this. I'm like, this is wild right now, right? And I'm exhausted. My feet hurt because I've been running around in dress shoes all day. And so then the show goes on, and Dolph uh, is telling jokes. At one point, Hawkins and Ryder come out, and they all are on the stage. The place is going nuts. There's about 450 fans there in this space. And uh, right as Ziggler says one they're all you know kind of roasting each other and out of nowhere Hawkins drops Zack Ryder with a with a super kick right and the whole place goes whoa very very cool for a stand-up comedy show right to bring that element into it yeah and uh so so right so Zach or Dolph Ziggler's like laid out on stage Hawkins and Ryder are like yeah we beat him up who comes to save Dolph Canadian hero Pat Patterson big pop from the crowd right and Pat Patterson leans over a fallen Dolph Ziggler and he goes Dolph I am going to give you mouth to mouth. And then he goes, it will make you feel better. And Dolph starts coming to it. He's like, Wait, no, what? What? No. And then Zack Ryder takes the microphone and starts getting the crowd to chant mouth to mouth, mouth to mouth. And like, there's this really great two, three minutes where they kind of tease it. And then Pat does the big thing where he grabbed Dolph by the, by the face and he puts his hand over his mouth and he leans him back, you know, like a woman and, and kisses him on the, on the lips and uh, got a big pop in the crowd. Um, and so they all get to their feet and I'm retelling this just because I enjoyed it so goddamn much, but like they get to their feet and like, uh, <laughs> Ziggler looks at Pat and he goes, Pat, all right. And like, everybody's had a couple drinks here, right? And he's like, Pat, let's end the show now. Like we talked about backstage. And so Pat goes, okay. And he starts to take his pants off. <laughs> <laughs> and like, and like, oh, that's good. And then Dolph's like, no, 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 Pat, the other thing. And then they started to play My Way on the speakers. And Patterson grabbed the microphone. And the whole crowd ended the show singing My Way with Pat Patterson. And it was just incredible. It was like, I've been to a couple of these like comedy wrestling shows before. 
Uh, Mick is great. Uh, Colt is great. You know, there's a lot of great ones out there. This was unlike anything I'd ever seen. If you have the chance to go to one of these Dolph Ziggler comedy shows, highly recommended. This was one of the highlights of my weekend was getting to watch that all play out. It was incredible. That's uh, fantastic. It, it, it's one of those things, again, you go to these big weekends, and, and SummerSlam is now a big four-day weekend. I know they're trying to make Survivor Series and whatnot big weekends, too. I don't think it'll happen. But SummerSlam is now kind of the, the WrestleMania light, but you see all of these other organizations coming into town and doing shows around WWE's big show, but also all the ancillary stuff, like the comedy shows with the wrestlers, like the Jim Ross storytelling, all of that stuff. That's what makes these kinds of weekends worth going to as a fan, right? Yeah, yeah. you want to go see the big show. You want to go see the WWE pay-per-view but go see all the indie stuff go connect with fans and see all the other things happening that's what makes weekends like SummerSlam like WrestleMania so special yeah I agree I agree and so I, I after, right afterwards just before the the meet and greets with Dolph there was this five minute window where Dave was like have your gear ready I was set up Dolph came in boom got the interview guys you're gonna hear it here later here today so I went I went back to where I was staying uh right after that uh, fell asleep immediately. I was knocked out and then uh, woke up the next day. And before SummerSlam, which we'll get to here in just a second, I went to the Busted Open Radio party where uh, Mark Henry was co-hosting. I showed up a little early. Dave LaGreca was uh, wonderful to work with me to help uh, orchestrate it. Uh, my last interview of the e weekend, which was with Mark Henry just before the Busted Open uh, live show. Mark was great. I'd always wanted to interview Mark. Uh, I grew up in the Houston area. I think I saw his original WWE debut on a house show in 96. So it was cool to get to, uh, to chat with him. And uh, that'll be here. I think we're dropping that Thursday this week. And then the Busted Open show itself. These guys are great. Uh, a wonderful show. Lots of cool guests. Santino was there. Pat McAfee was there. Jimmy Corderas and Nug from Aftermath Radio were there. And it was great, by the way, to finally get to meet Jimmy in person. What a wonderful dude. Um, Alicia Atoot was also part of that show. I think I briefly got a shout-out from on stage from Dave uh, while the crowd was chanting something or other. So uh, it was wonderful. Great time. Uh, dropped my gear off, and then uh, there I go to SummerSlam, which is where we'll start the news you can use today. So I, I, did, I didn't anticipate that to go <laughs> as long as it did, but I felt like, you know, I had these experiences. Sure. This is why we have this show, right? Well, and you can get SummerSlam recaps and opinions and reviews. Go back and watch the Wink uh, post-game show from Sunday night with Raj and the gang or whatever else, right? But the the on-the-ground experience that you're telling all the fans, that's super unique and super special. So, yeah, only here on the Winkly, baby. Only on the Winkly. I hit up just a bit. I hit up as much as I could, guys, and that's that's what I thought. Really, was it anything unenjoyable the whole weekend? I, I, had, a, I had one of the best trips I've had uh in a, in a long time this past week and i want to thank uh, everybody and i want to thank toronto in general what a great city everybody was so, fantastic I, I gotta ask this nick um how, how did toronto compare to daytona um here okay uh <laughs> toronto is uh I, I i said this and i don't mean this to be uh dismissive of chicago i love our city but toronto reminded me a lot of chicago but it was a more diverse and integrated chicago uh, okay. If you know Chicago, Chicago is unfortunately a bit segregated, right? Which is a conversation for another day. Something that I would love to see uh, bridged more. And just being in Toronto, uh, it was just it was so incredible to, to look around and see so many people uh, walking arm in arm, having a great time. There was it was very light. It, it was it was just incredible. I loved I loved getting to hang out at bars, getting to meet fans. Uh, Marcel, Adam, Noah, all the, all these other great people. That, that were there it, it was just such an inviting town i really enjoyed it your beer is not as good as chicago i will say <laughs> that you had a you had a weak beer game toronto work on it um but uh it was great i, I really i really enjoyed toronto quite a bit and and i will say too though <clears throat> 
the fans in Toronto, which is how I guess it's not Toronto, it's Toronto, where the second T is like two ends. I found out. Huh. Yeah, that's Toronto. how the that's how the that's how the locals say it. Um, it's like T U R R A N N O. Toronto is how they say it. Um, but uh, the fans are absolutely insane, Mike. Um, they're the craziest fans I've ever been around in my entire life, which is saying something. Being a Chicagoan here, we have our fair share. Uh, at the ROH show, uh, there was a fan that walked in to sit behind me during the first match that proudly said, um, I was just kicked out of the Triple H meet and greet, and his, and his friends started high-fiving him. They're like, what'd you do? And he goes, I screamed at Triple H. Macho Man had sex, and I'm being nice here, with your wife. Uh, it was much more profane the way he said it. And Ugh. they all laughed and were, like, high-fiving each other. Uh, that was a thing that happened, and that really set the tone <laughs> for Toronto fans for me that weekend. Oh uh, I, I believe it was uh, uh, it was a child that was with him. I don't know if it was his son or not, but that child sitting behind me at the ROH show during the Dalton Roosh No DQ match screamed, staple his nuts to the ring i thought that was very unique <laughs> um i also <laughs> there was <laughs> there was a there was a fa- there was definitely a couple fans during so the takeover fans but i was in the family friend like a more confined family friend section you know on on saturday for takeover i was up more with like uh, a general group of toronto fans on sunday for SummerSlam, and uh there was a lot of weird stuff that got you know, they were like anti-kofi uh, one guy was saying some very mean things to Charlotte, screaming them behind me, which I will not repeat because I found it very distasteful. Um, I also, uh, he, I believe it was the same guy during Brock Seth. Um, maybe he was on Molly, um, but he just started screaming, feel it. <laughs> I'm... <laughs> I can't make this stuff up, man. One guy screamed out to <laughs> one guy. One guy screamed out during SummerSlam for no reason. Michael Cole, and everyone went baby. <laughs> uh, Wrestling fans, both the best and the worst. Right? Toronto, you guys are something else, man. You guys are out there. I loved it. Uh, I loved most of it. Some of it was offensive, but most of it was quite enjoyable. Oh my gosh. Uh, anyway. Uh, let's get to SummerSlam here, because um, I left for uh, I left uh, for Chicago right afterwards the next morning. About 8 a.m. was my flight out of Toronto. Uh, so at SummerSlam, we had a new WWE Universal Champion crown. Seth Rollins pinned Brock Lesnar cleanly. Uh, big surprise, uh, I thought. Uh, Paul Paul Heyman has confirmed that Brock Lesnar is not going to be allotted a rematch against Seth. Uh, what's your take on on Seth Rollins' victory here at SummerSlam? You know, it, 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 we go back to Money in the Bank and how they were going to make it more meaningful this year, and then the way they cashed in I thought was kind of lackluster. Here's what I'll say. What they did Sunday night was cool, right? It got the energy up in the building. The audience was into it. I think it played well on TV. But the storyline here has just been so weird and choppy. Um, going into the show, the last couple of weeks, they've built up Brock to be a beast. So to have Seth conquer him meant something. But overall, you look at this. Seth beat Brock at Mania, lost it back in a weird fashion, and then beat him again here. So long-term storytelling, not a big fan of what they've done. I did think it made Seth look strong in victory. Also, all the stuff they've done with Steve Austin and how they've showed the comments Steve Austin has made about Seth Rollins the night after and all that stuff. That's really built Seth up. So I think Seth got more from this than he did from the victory back in March at Mania. And hopefully this means really big things for moving forward. But your proc doesn't need the title. I don't know why they gave him money in the bank. All that stuff just felt weird. It will be fine. Seth will be a great champion again and and hopefully has some great competition coming up soon. Yeah, I guess like, I mean, there's, you know, I could, I could, 
pundit about all the reasons I think they did what they did, but kind of in a in a vacuum. I mean, it does seem to have worked, right? Like they wanted to uh, they wanted Seth Rollins to be the guy. They wanted him to be the, the hot baby face. You know, they put him with Becky, and it, it seemed to kind of you know taint both of them a little bit uh, for whatever reason. The moment they chose to break them apart, have Brock cash in, have Seth get injured, lose it in a screwy way. They didn't go back to Becky and Seth after that, and then, boom, you got the payoff here. I almost feel like this was a move to get Seth back on the tracks at the expense of Brock, which is uh, just a weird thing to say out loud, but that's what I feel like happened here. Well, I, I do think you're right, at the expense of Brock, right? I mean, Becky, again, is, is is red hot. I don't think she's as hot as she was a year ago, but she is on fire right now in a way that she wasn't when she's with Seth. Mm-hmm. Seth came out of this looking really good. But poor Brock. Brock has lost on both the two biggest stages of the year. He had the money in the bank, and I argue he cashed it in. And he was very foolish with the way he was portrayed on TV with that briefcase. So what do you do with Brock coming out of this is my question, because I think he's lost some of that aura, a lot of that mystique about him that he's had for the last couple of years. But on the other hand, you got a red hot Seth, so maybe it maybe it's worth it in the long run. Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman's the odd card to me too because he's both the executive director of Raw, you know, that was announced via press release, and he's also talking about how Brock's not going to get this as though he's still Brock's advocate. So I think they got some stuff to work out with the way they're telling their story and how do we as fans buy into this universe. But all that being said. This was a good main event, and it Seth, again, looked very strong in victory here. Yeah. Uh, we also had The Fiend. Bray Wyatt's The Fiend debuted uh, taking on Finn Balor. Uh, this was uh, not long. I thought it was a good use of, of The Fiend in ring here uh, that he didn't just totally squash Finn. You know, Finn had a couple hope spots in there, uh, but ultimately The Fiend looked, looked really strong. Being in that arena, not knowing what to expect, not knowing what, how he was going to enter, the whole thing was surreal. I really enjoyed it. How did The Fiend... Uh, and his uh, debut come across to you on TV, Michael. It was cool as shit, dude. I I don't know if we can say that on the air, sure. but it was it was cool as shit. Listen, you, there's been this aura, this mystique. The Firefly Funhouse segments have been great. We've got to see some of him on Raw and SmackDown. But seeing him come out, you know what you're going to see, right? You know you're going to see him in the mask and the get-up and all that jazz. But the way they tease it with the lights, when the music hits, and he's got that kind of that old Bray Wyatt lantern look, but as soon as they showed the head like the Bray Wyatt mask as being the thing capturing the lantern. God, it was awesome. And I, I was like, holy crap that, you know, this, I think this show had a TV 14 rating and I guarantee you it was for this segment alone, but they went dark with it. And I think it paid off in spades. I, I just think they're doing so much right with the fiend and he looked great here. Finn lost. Finn got a little bit of offense, but you made the fiend look good, and I, I want to see him again. Yeah, the fan, fans are definitely into it. And the reason I say uh, I'm a fan of the fact that this wasn't a total squash was because, you know, Undertaker, you know, he over time became somebody that was capable of having these great matches, right? He was always capable, but for a long time was just like this undefeatable zombie monster, right? Like that's how he was introduced here. I think it's good that the fiend was able to go out there show a little not like not that he was weak but show some weakness show that he could be taken down because that opens the door to being able to see quality fiend matches right and and sure. it's a it's a gamble to put him in that environment finn was probably the best possible opponent you could have uh, put him in there with because if he'd have gone in there and gone you know by 5 7 whatever it was and it had, had and people have been like oh this didn't click for me then you know an argument would have been made that you know the fiend should just be squashing people the fact the fiend went out there had a good match. I think that's good. I think that that sets a good tone and 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 it makes him more versatile to what you can do with the fiend. If that makes sense, it it does. And and I think building on that too, 
they did a lot of things on the production side on TV that really sold how impressive of a creature the fiend was because you had Finn Balor come out, got the audience behind everybody's into it. And whenever the fiends music kit, he's walking into the ring, they kept cutting to Finn Balor at ringside and the expressions he had on his face told a story all to their own, right? Mm -hmm. It made me as a viewer be like, Oh my God, Finn, a former world champion, right? A guy who is true blue baby face. Everybody loves him. Looks shaken by this dude, by Bray Wyatt, by The Fiend, by whatever, by this entrance, that's telling me as a viewer that I should also be shaken. So those little touches that WWE added in there were, were complimentary to the whole story and did a great job of expressing those underlying emotions without needing a whole lot of announcers to tell us what to feel. Well, despite uh, my uh, prediction here, Dolph Ziggler did not defeat Bill Goldberg at, at SummerSlam, not by a long shot. Um, <laughs> Goldberg not only defeated Dolph Ziggler once, he beat him, he defeated him three times uh, as Dolph Ziggler's new gimmick appears to be the Black Knight from Monty Python. Um, you know, uh, he kept calling Goldberg out. Goldberg came, you know, you all saw it. This was one of the highlights of the show. People absolutely loved this. No complaints. Um, Riddle threw, uh, Riddle was watching the, doing the watch along show on the network threw his flip-flop at the screen during the Goldberg match, did reveal that after the contentious comments they'd had back and forth on Twitter, they did have a chance to talk backstage uh, where he called Goldberg bro, and Goldberg was like, I'm not your bro. So I don't I don't know where that one's going. Uh, but Jericho also tweeted after the match, uh, say what you want, but Goldberg's still the best, uh, has the best spear of all time. Nobody makes it look that de- devastating. Nobody. Of course, Jericho also in the boat with Goldberg of people being attacked by uh, Matt Riddle these days. Um, so yeah, man, this was just a, a, a ton of fun. I'm, you know, I think I think that this lends credence to your argument that Dolph is doing wrestling to uh, to to support his comedy habit. I think is what you said. So. Nobody, yeah, nobody can sell that spear like Dolph Ziggler did. And again, it amazes me Dolph Ziggler is in these kind of high profile matches when he's not won a big match in years. But it, they still put him out there and stuff like this, and it works. Uh, you, you talk about you know Matt Riddle calling out. Bill Goldberg, we had Jack Swagger try to get in on that action. These guys kind of it feels a little bit like going into business for themselves at this point, but it's fine. It's whatever it is what it is. This is wrestling in 2019, Twitter and all that. But Goldberg looked much, much better than he did a couple months ago. So kudos to him for that. Uh, Charlotte defeated Trish uh, in a match that I thought started a little clunky, but really got on the rails uh, pretty quick and uh, became one of the, the big, the best matches of the night. If not, I would say top five of the weekend, uh, just being in the room. Uh, the reaction that Trish got, uh, it, this was very special. And after the match, to see Trish go and hit all four ring uh, posts and do her pose really felt like a, a, a an end of an era for Trish Stratus. And, and in her hometown of Toronto, I just thought this was very cool. And, uh, you know, I, I've heard, you know, uh, Bailey called out Candice LeRae for Clash of Champions on Twitter. But uh, for my money, I think this sets up Charlotte Bailey here going into Clash. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense moving forward. You don't get a whole lot of true storybook endings in professional wrestling or a lot of closure. So glad to see it for Trish here in her hometown because say what you will about her early years in WWE, she meant so much to that women's, that Divas division at the time that we wouldn't be where we are today without Trish Stratus. Uh, Edge uh, made a surprise appearance on the kickoff show, Spearing Elias. Man, when his music hit, it was Elvis times the Beatles uh, in in the uh, the Scotiabank Arena, you know. And the, the crazy thing was, I think it was the loudest pop of the night, and not everybody was in their seats yet because it was on the kickoff show. So you had a lot of people <laughs> buying food, you had a lot of people getting T-shirts and stuff, and it was crazy to me because as soon as his music hit, and I was sitting in my chair, I already had my little two slices of pizza and my and my my bottle of water, and I'm I'm sitting there and I'm I'm like, oh my god, Ed just came out, and I freaked out, and then you just see everybody clear 
the the uh, the hallways and, and run back into the arena to get to their seats. And that place probably had a third of the audience back in their seats in the in a two minute period of time. The way that the fans in Canada just uh, came out in mass uh, when Edge came out there. Huge! I can't underestimate. I can't uh, understate this gigantic reaction for Edge in Toronto. That's awesome. And it's cool for Elias to get to share the stage with Edge here and, and of course, take that. But I just want them to do more with Elias. He's kind of become a one-note, ha-ha-ha, one-note, right? He's become a one-note gimmick where he just gets beat up by all the legends, which is fine. But Elias has more to offer than that, I do believe. And I believe it had been eight years since Edge had delivered a spear or something like that. I saw a lot of people oh. get excited. You know, it had been a long mm-hmm. time since Edge had done a spear. Um, but, you know, to, to the best of my knowledge, I don't think Edge is going to have any more matches i think this was just he got maybe cleared to do the the one the one physical bit of contact who knows mm. um but uh the kickoff show pretty busy as uh they also had eric rowan attacking buddy murphy as murphy took on apollo cruz on the kickoff show uh murphy has challenged reigns to a match on smackdown tonight reigns has accepted it uh, again man it was like the kickoff show i'm used to kind of sitting there you watch a couple good matches you kind of check out where you know the talking heads are, are stationed throughout the arena Edge, Rowan, kickoff show. This was a hot kickoff show for me. This did a great job setting the tone for SummerSlam. Well, it's interesting because the kickoff show had so much going on, but the main card ended shortly after 10.30 p.m. Eastern time, which I loved as an Eastern time wrestling fan. So I would rather see them add more meaningful stuff to the kickoff show and do this kind of card as opposed to WrestleMania where it didn't end until after midnight and you'd been there what it felt like all day. So it was cool, you know, but, but, but we had Roman Reigns and Murphy dealing with this on the kickoff show. I figured there would be some payoff on the main card. Um, or Eric Rowan and Buddy Murphy, but, but there was nothing. Reigns wasn't on there. Daniel Bryan wasn't on there. I thought that was peculiar for WWE's second biggest show of the year. You know what? I I don't hate it though. No. <laughs> you know, it's like I'm. T- you know what? Good. Don't try to shove it all on one show. Keep a couple things back. You know, good. I I, I hear I hear the 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 observation. But I, I think it's a positive one. I, well, it, I the show you got the show, show done by ten thirty, right? Yeah, dude, I was as happy as you were. I was like, do to do, we are done, and I am out, and I can pack, and I have an early flight tomorrow. So I was ecstatic. Uh, then the next night, Scotiabank Arena, last night on Monday Night Raw, a couple news items coming out of that show. Of course, the big one, Sasha Banks is officially back. She attacked Natalia. Uh, then Becky Lynch ran out. Sasha uh, to attack Sasha. They fought. Sasha wound up laying out Becky with some chair shots. Looked like one of those chair shots may have hit Becky in the back of the head. Uh, but, you know, if they're trying to make uh, – look, they're trying to make Sasha a, a heel here. It sure it sure felt like a lot of people were, were very much behind Sasha here when she came back. I think you're right just because people were – and it was interesting because she was attacking again the hometown hero here. I liked it, though. I thought that turn, that moment where she attacked attacked her, she pulled off the wig, all of that was done so well by Sasha. I love these times we get to see a wrestler. Not only do they turn heel, but much like Hulk Hogan back in the day, they turn heel and change the way they look, and it telegraphs how you're supposed to think about this person now as opposed to before. I thought so much was really well done during yeah. this segment. Audience reaction being what it was, great heel turn in my mind. Yeah, I think the, I think that the, the I think the heel heat will pick up when they get out of sight of Toronto because again, yep. Toronto fans, you're absolutely uh, batshit insane. Sorry, I'm, I'm we're a little <laughs> loose with the language here today, but you guys you guys are wild in a in a largely fun way. Um, WWE also on Raw uh, announced the return of the King of the Ring tournament. Uh, very excited. Uh, Raw, uh, this will be a 16-man tournament that starts next Monday on Raw. I would guess it's going to end at the Clash of Champions on September 15th, but that's just a guess because we don't know. Uh, On Raw's side, the eight superstars will be Baron Corbin, Cesaro, Cedric, Drew, McIntyre, Ricochet, Sami Zayn, Samoa Joe, The Miz. From SmackDown, it'll be Ali, Andrade, Apollo Crews, Buddy Murphy, Chad Gable, 
24-7 champion Elias, Kevin Owens, and Shelton Benjamin. Um, for my money, as soon as I heard this gimmick, I thought they're going to put this thing on Baron Corbin. Yeah, that's he needs something. This would be a place to put him. It was weird they didn't announce it because they've done King of the Ring so many different ways before. I mean, historically, it was a pay-per-view. And then in recent years, I say recent years, they haven't done one since 2015. And before that, it was 2010, right? But in recent years, they've made it more of a TV event. So they didn't ex exactly explain all the details of what was going on. So um, interesting. Can you name the last King of the Ring winner, Nick? Wait, uh, Bad News Barrett. Okay, can you name the one before that? Seamus. That's exactly, look at you, look at you all studied up and stuff. Yeah, this this tournament used to be a really big deal, and I, I would love to see them make this a more more recurring event. Uh, but you put you put somebody out there like Baron Corbin as your winner, <laughs> that's a good place to put him. He can brag about it. But you go back in the day, this was a star-making tournament, and if they do Baron Corbin, I hope they follow up with it and make him a star. I don't want to see it wasted. Bad News Barrett, runner-up that year, Neville, those guys aren't with the company anymore. I don't want to see it wasted in that way. See, I would have to put Corbin as my top pick. I've heard other people make a case that Drew McIntyre could win because he's European and Vince loves making Europeans the, the king, right? Obviously. Yep. So, Drew, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't resonate with me. But, you know, we're, there's so much being made of Kevin Owens as the new Steve Austin right now. They're, they're replaying the King of the Ring, Steve Austin stuff. King Owens, it's a little mm. off the beaten path, but I don't think that that's out of the question. No, I like Owens. I like McIntyre. Say what you will. I think the guy needs, he's got the look, he's got the physique, he's got the talent. He needs this to put him over as a singles champion. I mean, as a singles comp competitor. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we have, like I said, uh, the current WWE 24 seven champion is Elias. Uh, R-Truth briefly lost the titles to both uh, members of the revival who were co-champions there for a brief moment in time. Uh, then uh, Truth was able to pin uh, one of the members, I forget who it was, but one of the Revival, take the title back. He takes off to the back. Elias lays him out with a guitar, wins the title, and he's off into the, the next thing with Elias as the new champion here. Um, you know, I, uh, I I just wanted to call out the title changes because that's actual news. But I will say this about the 24-7 championship. It, this has brought an element of spontaneity to the show that has been desperately needed for a while now. I just like that things are randomly happening again. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, it, it's working for the 24-7 championship. I wonder how you can sprinkle it throughout the rest of the divisions as well. But this this all largely worked for me on, on Monday night. And, and what well, they did at SummerSlam. And said SummerSlam, right? You just saw R-Truth and Carmella pop up as part of the international announcers. I thought that was a great moment where they just showed up and there they are and they're whatever, they're being goofy. But it made me laugh and it was a surprising moment to your point, sprinkled into an otherwise serious segment in the show. Yeah. Uh, and lastly here, the last bit of news coming out of Raw. Uh, Rey Mysterio lost to Andrade in a two out of three falls bout. Lost two falls back to back here. Uh, afterwards, he was getting interviewed. He, he noted he didn't know where he was going with his career right now. He, he seemed very shaken. And he just said something like, it's about family and walked away. Where do you think they're going here with Rey? They've got to be doing something with his son because they've they've teased it before when he was having the feud with Samoa Joe. So maybe some way that way. I don't think they're going towards a retirement angle, but who knows? Rey Mysterio looks great. He looks. I mean, I know he just went through some 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 heartaches with his phys physique and injury and all that jazz, but he looks great. He's he's been delivering great matches. So I hope they're not trying to kind of funnel him out. I hope it leads to something meaningful, though, for his character because he's been kind of wandering around for a while now. I kind of in the back of my head, I was thinking this is this this feels like we're getting a heel turn, which is <laughs> weird because like heel Ray, right? Where it's like he can't pick up a win. He's worried about being able to feed his family. That's when guys start using the ropes. You know what I mean? 
It could be. I, I, that would be a puzzling business decision, though, really? knowing how much right? WWE values this demographic that they think Rey Mysterio brings in. You already have, you know, I, I, you know, he's part of their diversity play with their talent on their roster, and he's the good guy part of that. You can go to somebody else out there like Andrade, who is the heel part of that. So I would be surprised if they would want to make him heel. Yeah, I'm just following the tea leaves here, where I'm like, this is how you book a guy for a heel turn, you know? Or it could be one of those things where he thinks about his career and then he, I don't know, has an underdog moment and he comes back. Who knows? All right. Well, if you get heel Mysterio, don't say I didn't warn you. <laughs> Do um, right. Uh, let's uh, sh- shift gears here a little bit. Uh, Rusty Observer is reporting the plan is for NXT to go head-to-head with AEW on Wednesday nights, uh, live on FS1 from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern, so it become a two-hour show live. Uh, and uh, apparently the, the word here from Meltzer, WWE feels that they would have the edge in this situation since uh, you know they could pull from any number of main roster stars that could make surprise appearances on NXT. Uh, this is where I've heard this for a long time now. I've talked about it a lot on the show. Um, feels like we're getting close to a press release here, Michael. Mm. There's also the the bit of news about if this were to happen, you could see Vince McMahon having a more hands-on approach with NXT, which as he does with his other TV properties, right? So that's the unfortunate side of this that um, I, I want to kind of block out of my mind for the time being. If they're going to go back and make the brand extension a thing again and kind of get rid of the wild card rule, though, are you really going to see that many main roster stars in NXT? The other thing about this is I really hate them putting NXT up against uh, AEW here because those two shows are both kind of drawing from the same pool of fans, I think, right? Not every main roster fan is going to watch AEW, but those NXT diehards, those are the guys I think in your WWE umbrella are more likely to watch AEW. And honestly, I think they will tune in to AEW before they will NXT and catch NXT later. I think you're going to see, uh, I think this is going to help both. I, if they do this, I can't see any downside. This is going to make Wednesday nights a hell of a lot of fun for wrestling fans. You're going to get people bouncing back between both shows. This is a big win for both promotions, in my opinion. Does this make NXT now? And I was just actually at the gym earlier today, and there it was on Fox Sports 1. They were advertising WWE in this really big fashion, so... Fox Sports and, and Fox Sports 1's really going out of their way to make WWE and their new home on Fox feel like a big deal, so kudos to that. But does this make NXT, in my mind, uh, does this or does this make it as big of a deal as the other two main roster shows, even though it's still on Fox Sports 1 and not Fox Proper or USA? I, 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 think it, I think it will be a big deal in a different way. You know, okay. I still just, I just think they're different audiences. Raw, SmackDown will be a different audience than, than NXT. And I, I, I'm I'm as intrigued as anybody to see how it comes across, but I don't see any downside. Uh, but on the note of, uh, uh, I got a couple updates here on both the uh, TNT and Fox uh, debuts or potential, or uh, I guess a potential, whatever. You don't, never mind. Word garbled here. Uh, <laughs> let's start with the TNT AEW debut. Uh, the Young Bucks announced after their final indie appearance this past week in a House of Glory that the Young Bucks are going to take on Private Party uh, on the uh, second episode of AEW on TNT, October 9th in Boston, this match will apparently be opening AEW's tag team title tournament. So uh, that was pretty cool news that we got there going uh, going into the uh, rollout on TNT. AEW also announced that they are going to be signing, or that they have signed, Orange Cassidy, who is a bit of a controversial figure amongst uh, uh, more veteran uh, wrestling personalities, I should say. But, I, I you know, look, uh, he's in line with their demo. And I was not. And surprised. by that you mean Jim Cornette? Go on. There are others. I've heard it's not just Jim. There's others. Yeah. There's others. Yeah. You know. Or I mean, look, this guy goes out there and he, you know, 
hits people with weak chops and they they don't they act like it's uh, impressive or something. You know, you got to suspend your disbelief. It's a very different style. Not that I'm it's a, he's a, these kinds of characters are very divisive in 2019. They're also very prevalent in professional wrestling in 2019. That that goes with the territory. Sure. Um, so there's some news here about AEW, uh, and like I said, uh, the uh, the debut on Fox here, WWE's announced that the debut on Fox is going to be the SmackDown 20th anniversary show. It'll feature Hogan, Sting, Flair, Booker, Lita, Mick, Kurt, Bill Goldberg, Trish Stratus, Mark Henry, Jerry Lawler. Uh, the Undertaker is also featured on the graphic for the event. So uh, SmackDown reunion, heading your way here on October 2nd. It's like the uh, yeah SmackDown reunion, Raw or reunion, October SmackDown 4th. anniversary show. Raw anniversary. Let's just see how many uh, kinds of shows we can pull together to have an excuse to bring legends. No, it's cool. You know, I, these legends here on SmackDown, they need a big deal. So this is going to help sell the show to everybody. It's going to feel like a big, big card. You go back to AEW news. I think this is awesome for Private Party. I, we say what we will about Orange Cassidy. I think it's awesome for Orange Cassidy. I think it's awesome for AEW. They are leaning into some of these weirder French things in professional wrestling. I think they get away with it because their in-ring content is so solid, and they have this kind of athleticism about their product that you don't necessarily see promoted or reflected in WWE, so they can get away with some of these stranger French things. The librarian gimmick is overplayed, but Orange Cassidy will be a great addition to the, the AEW roster here. Yeah. Uh, WWE, uh, let's see here. No, no, no. I, I, I already said that uh the observer reporting paul Heyman was the one who made to have the call uh that cross nikki cross and alexa bliss would win the women's tag team titles the raw before SummerSlam. so just a, another note about the influence that paul is amassed backstage more paul Heyman decisions being made good decision one last thing for the SummerSlam show get us out there by 10 30 mm-hmm. um page uh, tweeted out that she is uh, uh following tweeted the following regarding upcoming neck surgery she's needing uh, she said, me and my fave doctor, Dr. Juan Urabi, uh, he did an amazing job on my last neck surgery. Also, the miracle worker for Nikki Bella and TJ Wilson's necks. Unfortunately, the match from Uniondale created a new hernia that we thought would heal. It did not. So, one more surgery to go. She had to miss her SummerSlam meet and greet. She was not with the Kabuki Warriors on Raw. On Instagram, she noted that her doctor said that she had the neck of a 60-year-old man. So Jesus. <laughs> right? Jesus. So, just, uh, just a page uh injury update there that sucks i have some neck issues and i hate i hate neck pain it's gross can't even imagine what what does what does page do you know listen the kabuki warriors had their match and that was it was good i mean i'm really happy to see cross and bliss with these women's tag team titles they already feel elevated in a way they haven't since wrestlemania so kudos to them but the kabuki warriors they don't necessarily need page i know that they want to tie them together because whoever backstage feels like they can't cut promos on their own. But what is, what is Paige's future with WWE? What does that look like? I know she had her movie and so they kept her around to kind of do all that promotional work, but what do you do with her after the surgery? More talking head stuff, right? They got the FS1 shows they're going to need doing. Sure. You know, I I think she, I think she works fine as as a manager. I just think it was a weird pairing with the Kabuki warriors. You know, she worked well with, with Mandy and, uh, um, uh, Oh, uh, Sonia. She worked really well. So, you know, I, I think there's I think there's uses for her. Um, I just I didn't like her with the Kabuki Warriors. That's all. So I agree with that. I think she could be a great talking head on one of the Fox Sports One shows. I'd love to see her maybe make an appearance in NXT UK. Really, yeah, you could do some cool stuff with that. She was great as the general manager. I don't know why that stopped. So <laughs> remember, she was like, "I'm not going to be general manager anymore, but I got big plans for my future." Or whatever. That was a weird thing that happened in SmackDown history. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Usos <laughs> did not appear uh, SummerSlam weekend due to Jimmy's uh, recent July DUI arrest. Can't get into Canada. Can't get processed. I had to get processed to go in and out of that country. They took photos of me. 
Um, so there you go. That's why the Usos weren't a part of the weekend. Um, the Wrestling Observer. Don't make bad decisions, kids. <laughs> don't make. Don't drink and drive. It's a bad call. Don't smoke. Uh, Wrestling Observer. WWE part timers have been paid upwards above seven figures for these Saudi Arabia shows. No, no surprise there. Just everybody's making a lot of money on the Saudi shows. Uh, the Irish Mirror had a chance to catch up with Big E during the Media Day SummerSlam weekend. Uh, he was asked if the New Day... I thought this was an interesting question. He was asked if the New Day would visit the White House if invited. And Big E said, We are not a big fan of what's going on in this administration, and I can't say it's something I'd be excited to do. I have no desire to go to the White House currently. We have a lot of problems in our country. It's a beautiful country, and there's a lot to celebrate and applaud. Just a lot of rhetoric that comes out of the White House is something we're obviously not supportive of. I have no desire to go to the White House anytime soon. When there's a man in the White House that we really respect, then I think we there might be an opportunity to go. I don't think there's any invitation that's going to be extended anytime soon anyway, so I don't think that's really a concern. This is – look, this is – this was – this Trump is still a sitting – WWE Hall of Famer as of this moment. This is uh, very disconcerting to me that the, uh, I don't know. I agree. I mean, you know, Big E's. How do, how do I punditry on this without signing myself up for a bunch of hate tweets and hate mail? <laughs> sure, sure. Um, no, Big E has been a very outspoken member of the WWE roster for many years. And I'm glad that so far of what we've seen from him in the New Day, they've not faced any real repercussions from that because at the end of the day, these guys are men they're human beings they have a great platform and they want to use that to kind of speak about the way they think the country should be as do people on the opposite side of the aisle right and and that's your that's your kind of way to do it and i think he does it in a way here that is not outright mean antagonistic he he speaks his heart but he doesn't do it in a way that's like you know screw those guys over there he just says we don't respect the rhetoric that is coming out of that and i think that's fair and i think i applaud him for being willing to put that out there in such a I want to say well-spoken way, as he's done about other issues, including Hulk Hogan and go on. You know. So um, it, it's interesting to me, like you brought up, Trump is a WWE Hall of Famer. And this is where the strange thing about having a guy who was involved in, in a few WWE storylines sitting in the White House is weird. And 2019 is a very weird year to be alive as a pro wrestling fan, right? But these guys, you know, they, they have beliefs. They have a life outside of the wrestling ring, and they're not afraid to speak about that. And and I respect the hell out of that. You know, we've you know there was a long period of time where I remember hearing you know you say the wrong thing that you're going to be penalized or whatever. You know, I will to their credit. You know, and granted, Hunter only gave me like three sentences or whatever on my riddle Jericho question, but you know he said I'm not going to monitor people's social medias. They're allowed to have their own opinions. Some of these yep. people are very strong, opinionated people. To allow Riddle to go out and say what he not allow for Riddle to go out and say what he's saying for Big E to go out and say these things too, worth reflecting on right now. Where WWE is there with their priorities with their talent, you know, talent knows they've got more leeway right now. What are they going to do? Yep. Fire me? So just one more thing to look at here is the company seems to be getting a little bit looser with what they're again. I hate to say allowing these guys to say, but more so with the lack of repercussions for when they say things. This may be. Uh, a better way to frame it. I mean, there are still lines. Lars Sullivan is a, a prime example sure. of that. Once that sure. kind of came out, so there are obviously still lines, uh, but but these guys kind of know what they when when to use their platform and when not to. A uh, couple of items coming out of the end of the uh, G1 climax for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Abushi won. Congratulations. He's got the briefcase Woo! now. Um, Kinta has joined Bullet Club. Shibata did not take well to that. He attacked Kinta, laid him out with a running drop kick. Caught. I was, dude. Okay, so I really, I this uh, this didn't. Uh, get as much traction on the site uh, as as other big stories we had this weekend, but man, I you know 
people tweeting, crying, watching Shibata deliver that drop kick. It's a man who was like, like he was almost dead, right? And uh, told he, he may never wrestle again or would not wrestle again. To, to be able to go out and do this, this is a big moment for Shibata. And a big moment for Ibushi, too. I don't want to over, I don't want to uh, overshadow what, what his big win meant at the G1, you know? Yeah, so Shibata, this is such a crazy thing to happen to see him pop out here. Um, because, to your point, we thought he was retired. It's a cool moment for New Japan fans, for, for pro wrestling fans in general. But New Japan, you know, my immediate gut reaction is, how okay is he, and is this okay for him to come out here and do this? Is this a one-off? Is this an ongoing thing? I don't think we know that yet. I don't think so. It looked like, to me, they were setting up him and Kenta. Oh, my God. It just, it worries me. You know, New Japan, that, that is a tough style of wrestling. Some might argue too tough. The headbutts, all that jazz. God, I just, um, I worry about the individual here. Cool moment for professional wrestling, but I worry about the individual and hope. I'm sure, but just, again, hope he's going to be okay doing some more in-ring stuff. And I and, and I thought it was cool, too, because Ibushi was no secret. You know, Kenny Omega went to AEW. A lot of rumors Ibushi was going to follow him to AEW. The Golden Lovers stay together. Um, stuck with New Japan. They put the rocket on him here. Great. Yeah. Good call. Um, and, you know, uh, Wrestle Kingdom usually happens after the top of the year, right? January? Yep. Hmm. yep. It's almost hmm. like maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe hmm. we could see the Golden Lovers if, if situations change after the top of the year, you know? Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Just putting mm. that out there. Um, <laughs> Ring of Honor, uh, the current partners with New Japan Pro Wrestling in the States, uh, have signed Impact, uh, former Impact star, UK standout, Joe Hendry. The promo package for this guy is great. Came across well in front of the live crowd at Summer Supercard. Um, felt like a big deal. I don't know why they didn't do this for all of their big talents that they signed, uh, i.e. Bandito, PCO, uh, you know, Rouge. All of these guys should have should have gotten a similar hype here. It's still a little weird to me. They all got lumped together in a, in a big stable and just kind of thrown out there, you know? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. But Ring of Honor, you know, still getting guys in to come in, and, and they're still trying to build their roster over there. So, uh, I mean, they're doing their thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, and lastly here, Lance Storm uh, wrote on Twitter that uh, the upcoming September 2019 training session at Storm Wrestling Academy will be his last, and that at the end of the year, SWA will be closing the Storm Wrestling Academy. Uh, those who signed up for the 2020 sessions have already been notified. Storm is not done with pro wrestling. He's going to announce his future at a later date. Just real quickly to prattle off a couple of the names that Lance Storm has been responsible training or for training here in recent years. Tyler Breeze, Neil Dashwood, Peyton Royce, Oni Lorcan, Chelsea Green, Taya Valkyrie. Um, you know, say what Matt Riddle can say what he wants about Lance's style and, you know, uh, him as a, as a coach, but I've heard a lot of other very positive things about Lance as well. If not in the WWE Performance Center, which seems likely to me and would be hilarious because then uh, Matt Riddle may be falling asleep through some more Lance Storm seminars. Uh, the, in the back of my head, too, I know he's very close to Damore and all the, the Canadians that have amassed power over at Impact Wrestling. I wouldn't be surprised maybe to, to see something over there as well, you know. Yeah, this is a big deal. The academy closing. One of my friends, I think, had applied to be in maybe the 2020 class. So I need to check in with him and see what the deal is with that. But uh, this is a big deal. The Storm Wrestling Academy, to your point, so many legends that have come through this. But also Lance Storm is a genius about the sport. And and if you follow him on Twitter, you hear what he says about it. He just has so many great insights that people are always leaning from. So wherever he goes, if it's Impact, that's awesome for Impact. If it's WWE, I think he's going to add a lot of value to the upcoming talents. I hope it is WWE. He he always seems not, you know, he's not critical of their product, but he does elaborate on things from his kind of history and his perspective and add value to what's going on there. So I, I think he could do a lot for future NXT stars. Either way, uh, sad to see the close, but 
young talents are going to get a lot from him with whatever organization we think he signs with. Guest at this time is going to be taking on Bill Goldberg tonight at SummerSlam. It is Dolph Ziggler. Dolph, thank you so much for taking the time. Happy to be here. People should thank me more often, though. Yeah. But I'm happy to be here and get the word out. What's What do you got going on? Anything good? Uh, me? Oh, I'm just talking to Dolph Ziggler. You know, no big deal, right? It's pretty sick. Bucket list stuff, I, I've heard. I'm trying to show off right now. You see that? You're doing a great job. Thanks, brother. Now, I had a blast watching your show here tonight. You had some friends up on stage. Zack Ryder, Kurt Hawkins. You guys were throwing some jabs around up there. Yeah, I mean, I, I try and have these comedy shows resemble a wrestling show as much as I can. And uh, just like a wrestling show, things don't go as planned all the time. Sure. And that it was very much happened this evening. Well, uh, your friends referred to your match with Goldberg as a part-timer versus part-timer <laughs> match. Which is pretty funny, but clearly not true. But I get the digs. I have taken a vacation this last year, but it was only after 14 years without one. Sure. So the joke, very warranted and works, and I have quit for two weeks before, so I get when I threw a title down and walked away for two weeks and left for a couple months, but I just needed to get off television. Um, when you see me every day for 10 years straight, I gotta go away for a little bit, so I needed to get out of WWE for a minute. I'm right back in it, haven't lost a step, I don't have ring rust, I don't get out of shape, I don't not dominate every single match I'm in one way or another so okay cool and like uh, you know so does that mean that we're gonna be able to see you more in WWE going forward is this uh, is the sabbatical over are you back here for the the long haul again I'm, I'm here to do anything they ask and above and beyond just like I always have I just needed a little bit of a refresher uh, I'm here to do anything they want if at some point WWE asked me to be a part-time wrestler it would crush me and I don't know that I could do it but Anytime I'm here, you get 100% me, which is anyone else on their best day, 80% uh, of me outdoes them every single time. Sure, you know, and the way you goaded Goldberg, or the way that this match with Goldberg, I should say, got set up with you taking kind of shots at him on the air, reminded me a lot of another uh, legitimate wrestler who's been calling Goldberg out recently, and that's Matt Riddle. Uh, what do you think of some of the comments that Riddle's been making about your SummerSlam opponent? I know that he's made them because people have told me, but I don't know exactly what he said. All I know exactly is that he told me, good luck, bro. Okay. And I think that's cool. And uh, But being a shooter myself and an uh, all-time winningest wrestler at Kent State when I left, I feel like once I get rid of Goldberg, I'm really kind of looking at Shawn Michaels. But, man... If anything happened there, I would try and make it happen, and I would love to see if Shawn Michaels could hang with me. And then one day I'd let the kid come up and see if he could hang with me in the ring. So good luck to him doing everything he can because it's not easy to get to the WWE roster. Now, have you talked to Shawn about that? Is he interested in taking a match and coming, I mean, out of retirement to face it? I'm not it? really friends with the Attitude Era guys. I've been in part with them. I've been in rings with them. I've been in matches with them. I've been in segments with them. I've said my case that Shawn doesn't act the way he used to act, where he used to tell him to follow that. I go, I'm the one doing that. And I got to kick him in the face. To be fair, he got me in the back last week and he kicked me in the face. So you never know how it's going to go down. I would love to see if Shawn Michaels could hang in the ring with me. If you had to ask me, I don't think he can. I think he's the greatest of all time, and I would love to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him. But I come out on top. All right, well, before this was a match with you and Goldberg, it was supposed to be you and The Miz. Now, you guys are going to face off on Monday night. Yep. I, watch, I watch Miz and Miz. I watch Total Divas. Very cool. I know you guys are friends, right? Yeah. What has it been like getting to work with your friend on this level right now? It's a weird thing. We are friends, but we all like we used to be close friends. He has his outside things. Uh, he almost resembles to me being a part-time 
wrestling guy because he doesn't really have a lot of pay-per-view matches because he's not doing anything interesting. He's more interested in doing his reality show and movies outside of WWE, which I understand. It's just, that's not my thing. I do my comedy shows in between wrestling shows, so I don't stop. I don't take a break unless I have to. Right. So I'm a fan of Miz's work ethic. I'm just also a fan of being a full-time wrestler. All right, hey Dolph, that's it. Thank you so much for the time here today. Best of luck tomorrow night or tonight against Goldberg. Anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap it up? No, I mean, we got a show coming up in Lexington. It's me and Sarah Tiana. We kicked butt tonight. We had a full house here at the rec room. The shows I do, it's because I don't want to go home. So I don't miss wrestling matches to go do comedy. I live for it. I love these comedy shows. I live for everyone cheering and booing and having a good time. And I go right back to the wrestling ring without missing a step. So I'll see you guys down the road with more comedy shows coming up. Thank you. You got it, brother. Yes, cheers. My guest at this time is the number one contender for the Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Championship. You're getting your first title chance in over a decade tonight against Matt Taven. How's it feel, Alex? Oh, man. You had to say over a decade, didn't it's you? It's true, though. Who's the last person I wrote? Uh, Daniel Bryan. It was Bri well, Brian Danielson. Brian Danielson, sure. Yeah, yeah. How does it feel to, 10 years later now to be getting another opportunity like this? Awesome. Uh, the company's obviously changed quite a bit. Um, High stakes, right? I'd be lying if I said I wasn't a little nervous. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it's good to be nervous, too, right? It just means you're aware of the situation. Kind of that standing on the edge of a building type sublime feeling, right? Yeah. Well, the last two, uh, if I did my research correct, yep. last two times you had title opportunities. You had Brian Danielson, and you also had Austin Aries. Now, those are big names in the yeah. world of pro wrestling. They've both gone on to do amazing yeah. things. How do you think Matt Taven stacks up against Danielson and Aries? I, I think he's awesome in his own way. Yeah, I think all three of those are very different competitors so to compare them would be doing somebody an injustice um i've said this a lot in interviews about matt taven specifically but i feel like he has mirrored my own career in a lot of ways or we've at least been a lot of the same places as it were and i have uh, honestly the utmost respect for him he's worked really hard right like he's had to eat a lot of shit um and he came up in wrestling the same way i did and the same way a lot of guys in my generation did and for that i Give him a lot of credit, so kudos to him. Well, very cool. You've come back now to Ring of Honor. You're obviously in the singles title picture here. You have a chance to go for the world championship, yep. but you're so synonymous with tag team wrestling. The yep. Motor City Machine Guns, huge part of making me a wrestling fan yep. when I was when I was coming into wrestling here. I mean, you're coming into wrestling in your mid twenties, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's I was. Not dated too bad. Well, I mean, it's like you're a kid, right? And like you grew up and you love Shawn Michaels, and The yeah, Undertaker, sure. right? Yeah. But then you start to get older and you start to find more wrestling outside yep. of it. You guys were definitely one of those teams that Thanks. did that for me. Thanks. So after, I mean, you could become champion too, but do you also have plans on maybe doing some tag team wrestling here in Ring of Honor? Oh, I, I would love to do tag team wrestling. Um, I love tag team wrestling. I think part of the reason I was good at it and part of the reason I did it for so long is because I enjoy doing it. Um, as a subset of pro wrestling, it's just very unique in its own way. It's its own art form. And I've been lucky enough to have, like, two really incredible partners, three really, honestly, if we're counting Jimmy Rave, um, and Abyss was up there too, so four. I could start naming more and more people. Five, Kevin Nash, you know, and I've picked the brains of all these guys, and they all made me better along the way too. Uh, you brought up Kevin Nash. Yep. I have to ask you about Paparazzi Productions, which yep. I really thought was like one of the greatest things of all time. You're here in Ring of Honor. Is there a chance you bring Paparazzi Productions maybe with you to Ring of Honor? I would love to. I would love to have a Paparazzi Championship Series here. There's been a couple guys where it's like, damn, I would love to do something with them. Yeah. And I think what was cool about that, too, is you got to see a side of guys that maybe you didn't know existed. But having people around you who make you comfortable 
help you kind of express who you truly are because you feel safe, right? Yeah. You feel safe being yourself. And Nash was really good at that. So for he and I, we had the same sense of humor, grew up in a similar area. We had a lot of ties that bound, as it were. Um, for everybody else, I think they kind of realized that we had that bond and they could be included in that too. And it was just fun to do. Yeah. So and that's a key. People can tell when you're having fun. Yeah, well, you know, it sounds like, you know, you may not be having a you may not have been having as much fun about a year ago when you decided to walk away from pro wrestling, you know. Walk me through a little bit what made led to your decision. I mean, you're still young, man. Seventeen years in the business, you're only what, thirty six? Thirty six just turned, yeah. Yeah. So like talk to me a little bit about why you decided to step away at such a young age. Um, to be fair, it was all orchestrated a couple years back, a few years back. Um I am a physical therapist assistant. Uh, that's a four-year medical program that you have to be involved in. This is my second four-year degree. Um, I was pursuing a master's degree in business at the time, too. And I decided to deviate my course a little bit, alter my path. And in doing so, looking forward to the future, which I try not to do too much now because, you know, plans can change. If you're emotionally attached to A and B happens, then you could be disappointed. But at the same time, there's something to be said for foresight in terms of logistics. The logistics of this situation were that had I gotten accepted into my program, which I did, um, in 2018, I would spend a good amount of time doing clinical rotations. Now, uh, for those of you who aren't aware of what that is, that's working in the medical field. Okay. You basically pay your university fees, and they set you up with whatever your discipline is, and you work there for three months, six months, whatever the case may be. And you do a few of those usually to get a kind of a taste for things or develop your skill set with different patient populations, different settings. And I knew full well that that was going to uh, be my reality if I got accepted in my program when I signed my Ring of Honor contract in 2016. Okay. So I signed a two-year deal kind of forecasting that, man, this is – this is potentially going to be it for me, too. And it wasn't an easy decision because um, at the time, there were a lot of things going on in wrestling, as there are now. And I kind of had to figure out, like, what path I wanted to pursue. And there's no wrong path. You know, all of them would have been good in their own way. Like, do I want to go work for this bigger company? Or do I want to go back to Japan? Or do I want to pursue this medical degree? And it's not a decision I took lightly, but it's the one I made and I stuck with. And I finished it out. Yeah, well, you know, Ring of Honor does have a great relationship with New Japan Pro Wrestling. It's not like it's out of the question oh, yeah. for you to go over there. You know, I just saw Gresham. I think he's going to be in the best of the Super J Cup tournament or whatever like that coming up here. You pretty just combined their two. I, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I okay. wish I wish I'd have nailed that, but I yeah. screwed it up. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, the Super J Cup, right? He's in the Super J Cup this year. Not the best of the Super Junior. Which Super. He was in though. I was about to say. I knew in my head. I, I was thinking too many things. Like, is that something you you want to do here with that opportunity open from Ring of Honor? Oh, I, I would love to. And one of the things that uh, made me want to come back ring of honor it, it was a multifactorial decision no doubt about it but it was a relationship with new japan if i'm being transparent um i consider myself a friend of new japan i certainly hope new japan does too i've had these interesting relationships with a lot of their top stars over the years where i've lived with or hosted or helped train a handful of them help them with their current gimmicks to some extent um and my fingerprints are on their roster. I just don't think a lot of people would ever examine it that closely. Who are some of the people you feel like you've got your fingerprints on that you um, would like to take a little credit sure. for? Sure. So it's not me taking credit. Okay. Like, let's clear that up because they did the work. You know, I can help them as much as I possibly can, but ultimately it's them. You know, I'm not in there having the matches for them. I'm not with them doing the media appearances. Like, it is their hard work and their credit. 
Um, I did have Jay White live with me for about a year and a half. Really? Yeah, he lived with me in Detroit when he did his excursion in Ring of Honor. Okay, cool. Very yeah, cool, he man. Lived in my guest room. Um, with myself and my ex-wife. Uh, Okada and I were very, very close. So when he first got sent to Orlando for TNA many years ago, I emailed the office and I said, look, I know this guy, because I'd actually wrestled him before he ever got into New Japan. I said, if you need somebody to take care of him, I'm your guy. Okay. So I would help him as much as I could, because, you know, being a stranger in a strange land, that's that's hard, right? Um, and, you know, that it was a relationship that was, uh, I don't want to say symbiotic, but mutual. Like he had an apartment. I would stay there with him whenever I was in Orlando and we were really, really, really tight and still are, you know, yeah. uh, at the same time, who else would be on that list? Uh, Shochan Yohei, uh, okay. Rapungi 3k. They were just starting out. Like they hadn't had matches yet when I signed my contract with new Japan in 2012 and I lived at the dojo. So I got to see them kind of develop over the years. And then, you know, they'd ask for help, and uh, if I could help them, I would, you know, and they helped me, too. Like, everybody that I'm saying I helped helped me just as much. So there's uh, probably more uh, situations I can think of, but I'm just drawing a blank. Those are probably the top four, though, yeah. What do you think about them putting the rocket on Jay White, though? I mean, like, this guy came in, and they put the title on him at such a young age. You know, how, I mean, what do you think of the way he's carried himself and been promoted? Yeah. <laughs> I can't think of somebody who worked harder. You yeah. know, like this guy would literally like cook his dinner in my kitchen and then eat dinner for an hour while watching whatever matches. You know, he really put the time in, he put the work in, he deserves every iota of it. Um, he loves pro wrestling. Um, He's one of my best friends. He's like my little brother. You gonna join Bullet Club? Is that what you're getting at? Is this like the slow ride into Bullet Club? Dem? I think that's his call. Oh, okay. <laughs> Are you interested? Know. I don't know. And working with J-Mo, certainly, yes, okay. absolutely I am. Okay. Yeah. So you would, if you were given the invitation, be interested in a Bullet Club? Jay White's Bullet Club? Sure, Jay White's Bullet Club. Yeah. Okay. Of course. Of course. It'd be foolish not to. Yeah, it would be very foolish not to. I agree. Yeah. All right, I'll, I'll wrap it up here, Alex. Uh, I want to ask you, you know, you, you obviously were such a fundamental part in the early days of Ring of Honor when it was really getting hot there. You're back now. How does the roster and the feel of Ring of Honor compare to some of your earlier runs with the company? It's totally different. Um, and I feel like I popped in over the years at very unique times. Sure. You know? I debuted here in 2003, yeah. I believe. And I would come back. I think we came back first, me and uh, Saban, in 2006, 2007, and then 2008, 2010. Like, we got to see a lot of changes, you know. Um, I've seen Gabe. I've seen Pierce. Um, I've seen the different bookers. I've seen the different regimes. And uh, quite frankly, I think the one thing that kind of defines this company in particular is, for better or worse, it springboards a lot of guys, right? So less so now. Like now it is an endpoint for some guys, which I think is cool if that's what's going to make them happy. The struggle of the people in charge, though, is that some of these guys just aren't here for too long. I think... From a fan perspective, though, that's in their best interest because what you get to see is a development and the maturation of these guys who go on to become superstars across the world. Yeah. And a lot of their early moments... Sorry, uh, uh, food delivery here. Thank you. For, for Alex Shelley. Yeah. A lot of the reason that these guys get picked up by other companies or get the spotlight put on them is because of the things that they do here. Yeah. 
And they have the freedom to do that here, and they have the capacity to do it here. They have the potential to kind of express themselves in that manner. And you really can't ask for anything more than that. Like, to see the growth of everything is very, very unique to this company in particular. Um, I think maybe more so than a lot of the other ones. Cool. Well, thank you very much again. Alex Shelley, you're taking on Matt Taven tonight. Best of luck out there. Anything else you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap it up? I have a Twitter. Can I do that? Sure. Is that okay? Do whatever you want me to um, Yeah. I need to change the name, maybe. I don't know. Wait, you have the weird one where it's like it's fake Kincaid. Or no, not fake. Yeah, okay. Kincaid. Uh, Kincaid was an um, artist, right? So, like, a Kincaid would be like a type of painting, right? Um, it was just a song I was listening to. Yeah, man, I can never tag you. It's always very <laughs> difficult for me to tag oh, you. Yeah, I, I should really change it if I'm going to promote my own brand. I, what happened was I had a flight delay in Orlando, and I remember this very vividly. And I was like, I guess I should set up a Twitter. Like, this was like 2012, I think. Like, I, February 2012. I remember it very, very vividly. Okay. And I was texting, um, not to, like, drop too many names in this interview, but these are guys that I, you know, I know or I still talk to. And Johnny Gargano was like, oh, man, if you have the time, you should make a Twitter. I was like, oh, I don't know what to use for my username. He goes, oh, it could be anything. I was like, mm-mm. So I tried a couple, and they were all taken, and then I was like, ah, this one's fine for now. Sure. And now it's not changed, and I almost feel like uh, dirty changing it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So. All right, well, there we go. Yeah. Uh, that was quite a plug there to, to close up the interview, I think. Just a little rambly session about Fank Kincaid. Fank Kincaid. little anecdote about how it came to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. I guess at this time, backstage here at ROH's Summer Supercard is none other than ROH commentator Ian Riccoboni. Ian, thank you very much for taking the time. Absolutely. Thanks, Nick. I'm a big, big fan of your work. I see the videos. I, li- I love it. So, uh, yeah, very excited to be back here in Toronto, historic Maple Leaf Gardens, an incredible card I think a lot of people are sleeping on. Yeah, absolutely, man. Well, you know, we were talking a little before we got on the inter- you know, doing the interview on camera and stuff about the rebuilding phase that Ring of Honor is in right now. Talk to me a little bit about what your impression of the current era of Ring of Honor is. I think right now we have a lot of stars that are hungry, that are looking to make an impact. And I think, you know, there's been the word rebuilding. And I would argue anytime you lose six, seven, eight, nine wrestlers, stars, uh, to do whatever purpose they're doing, creating their own promotion or going to WWE, that puts you in a, in a vulnerable position, but we've had the, the luxury of having leadership that's went out. They've signed guys like Roosh, Bandito, Brody King, PCO. Yeah, huge, big names. Uh, huge names, some of the best names of now and some of the best names for the future. So I think we've been doing a, a, an incredible, uh, an admirable job of, of getting these wrestlers that some uh, – Fans that have followed Ring of Honor for a long time might not have heard of yet, and getting them exposure to these amazing talents that some of the the more hardcore wrestling fans have known, and and we've seen them take to guys like Mark Haskins and Bandito, Tracy Williams, Roosh, the names go on and on. So it's exciting for me because as a Ring of Honor fan, I had the first first VHSs. I I ordered those. I I bought the re-releases at Borders bookstores on DVD when when they were out there. Borders. Borders. Is Borders still around? I don't think Borders is. No, they're gone. But, you know, for me to see Ring of Honor, there's been different periods in Ring of Honor's history where they they have these waves of great young talent. When when the talent goes on to do different things, you know, when Samoa Joe left or when Brian Danielson and Nigel left, uh, the company almost closed down when when Brian and, and, and Nigel left. But at the same time, there was guys were right there waiting in the wings to pick things back up and, and to take Ring of Honor even higher. So in a year where we've, you know, we partnered with New Japan, we've sold out Madison Square Garden. We're going to do big things with CMLL coming up, um, you know, whether that's in Mexico or 
here in the United States as well. Um, I think there's a lot of super positive stuff that's on the horizon, and I'm I'm actually kind of excited to be part of this era where there's a little bit of uncertainty and there's some, some new talent because every time Ring of Honor's been in this position before, there's been guys and gals that have broken through and become even bigger and taken Ring of Honor to even bigger heights. Yeah, you know, you brought up Madison Square Garden there. Take me back to that. Like, what, <laughs> what was the energy like for you to be in that building to get to call the action at MSG, man? <laughs> Um, well, I did it. I did it with Colt, who I love, and, and Caprice, but also Kevin Kelly, who's a guy that helped break me in yeah. and really get me even into Ring of Honor. So to do that with with three guys who have meant so much to me here in Ring of Honor was was super cool. Uh, but Madison Square Garden was a, it was a place where. I went to one event. I lived in New York for four years. I saw Bruce Springsteen there, and I had to save every penny I had. Uh, and I was supposed to take my now wife there. And so for me, the fact that my wife was there uh, about 12 years after I was supposed to take her on this date that never happened because I was stupid and I was dumb and I'm not a good communicator. Um, it, was, it was super special to me because now, you know, we're growing up. We have two kids. Okay. And uh, it was super cool that she was there and to call Ring of Honor to call New Japan to call it Ring of Honor World Title match and change in yeah. Madison Square Garden to call an IWGP Heavyweight Title defense and change in Madison Square Garden it, it blows my mind I I'm so thankful that I was able to just kind of lose myself and lose myself in the moment because had I recognized some of the stakes I might have clammed up <laughs> I might have gotten nervous and uh, thankfully, Kevin was there and Colt and Caprice, and, and we just ended up having a really great time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk to me about what you think of Matt Taven as the guy on top right now. Why, what does Matt Taven bring to the main event picture, being really the standard bearer from Ring of Honor right now? Absolutely. Matt Taven's a guy who I, I think what fans don't see, he works harder than anybody. He's a guy that, that is always in the gym. He's always in the ring. Yeah, he's a accomplished wrestling trainer at XWA up in, in New England. Yeah. Um, he's a guy who is an amazing positive influence in the locker room, but he's also truly deep down inside one of the most talented wrestlers in the world right now. Yeah. And CMLL actually had an opportunity to see that first. <laughs> he, yeah. was, he was in the main event last year at their equivalent of Final Battle or their equivalent of WrestleMania at the 85th anniversary, and he shocked a lot of people yeah. who didn't, really know that side of Matt Taven was in there and I think even turned some heads in Ring of Honor. Um, we've all known he's had great matches with guys like Will Ospreay. Uh, he's had a great match, great matches with Adam Cole and Jay Lethal here. But the fact that he was able to travel to CMLL and have these great matches with other types of talent and different talent uh, really, I think, opened up some eyes. So yeah. Matt Taven's a guy uh, who I believe is a star, who I believe in as the world champion. And he's really a guy who I as you know, on air, we have a kind of antagonistic relationship, but I've noticed <laughs> behind the scenes, um, I couldn't be prouder of the guy because he's he's accomplished a lot, and it's all through hard work, and it's all through being the first one in, the last one out, and being a good guy around the locker room that everybody wants to be around. Yeah, you know, there was a lot of blowback, I guess, from hardcore Marty Skrull fans who kind of wanted yeah. to see him come out that night as the champion. Yeah. Like, what would you say to the fans who didn't get to see that title change were, like, so adamant that they wanted Marty Skrull to be that guy right now? You know, Marty Skrull's super popular, and Marty Skrull, the sky's the limit for Marty as well. And I think for Marty, I, I think it's only a matter of time. I think for Marty, he's a guy who's, who's right there at the cusp. He's proved he's a main event level star. He's proved yeah. he's main event caliber, and he's proved that he belongs there. So, yeah. you know, not everybody – you know, I'm a huge fan of the Philadelphia Phillies. And when I was young, I had one of the biggest heartbreaks in the world, Game 6, 1993, right here in Toronto. Joe Carter walks it off against Mitch Williams. 
I have no idea what you're talking about, but continue. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. And so my favorite team, the Phillies, lost in, in heartbreaking fashion in the World Series, ending the World Series, period, end of story. And I don't want to talk to anybody for weeks. Um, so I understand, you know, rooting, rooting on somebody and having that level of vested interest and believing in them and believing that they should be the champion. Um, but for me, you know, Marty is a guy who the sky is the limit. I, I, I think not now is not never. And I think he's a guy who will continue to be in the world title picture. Well, last wrestler I want to ask you about before I change topics a little bit was, you know, you talk about how you were a tape trader, right? Yeah. Like you had all the ROH stuff. You were going to borders for, for content. Mm-hmm. Alex Shelley's here. He's in the main oh. event one of the foundations of yeah. Ring of Honor. Uh, talk to me about what it's like to have Alex back. And, like, for you, again, it's like, you know, to get to call a match of this of, of, of Alex Shelley, like a, a, such a pinnacle match for him. Yeah, so I, I think about some of the huge names that I've called this year for the first time. Great Muda, uh, just incredible. Uh, some of the amazing CMLL stars, like tonight I'll call Barbero Cavernario's first Ring of Honor match here. Uh, and, and he's a huge star in CMLL. <laughs> Um, Alex Shelley's a guy who I've called matches for before, but I've called very few single matches for Alex Shelley. Yeah, he's like a tag guy. I was like, wow, that's really cool they're putting him in there with Taven. Yeah, he's yeah, he's, he's certainly been that, whether it's with Kushida or with Chris Sabin. He, he's won the World Tag Team titles here with Chris Sabin. Yeah. And he's been a guy who was really a, a trailblazer. But I, I equate Alex Shelley to the MC5. Alex Shelley is from Detroit. The MC5 are from Detroit. The MC5 are on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame ballot, and I bet if you polled 100 people walking around Toronto here, they wouldn't have a clue who the MC5 are. But if you asked Blondie, if you asked Elvis Costello, if you asked The Clash, if you asked any of the punk new wave bands uh, who the MC5 were, they could tell you they're from Detroit. They're a groundbreaking rock and roll group. They helped influence punk rock here in the United States. They blew down barriers. They blew down doors. They're some of the most influential musicians of all time. That's where I see Alex Shelley. And for Alex Shelley tonight, he can go from the, the class of the MC5 where his, his contributions to Ring of Honor uh, cannot be understated and, and his contributions to the careers of the Young Bucks, to, to guys like Kushida, to guys like Jay White, to Jonathan Gresham can't be understated. He can go from that class to suddenly in the class of another D- Detroit rocker, Alice Cooper, a guy who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, who's had the big hit singles, who has the marquee, uh, you know, the name on the marquee. And he can do that with one match here tonight. He, he can go from, you know, consensus all-time great trailblazer to consensus all-time great period, no qualifier. And he can do that tonight with a win against Matt Taven. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, I'm going to switch gears here to wrap this up. Now, we share uh, a bit of DNA because we both had the ability to call arm wrestling matches yeah. for the World Arm Wrestling League. Um, talk to me a little bit about what it's like uh, getting adapted to the world of arm wrestling and working World Arm Wrestling League shows. Oh, it's incredible. There's heroes and villains just like in wrestling, and, yeah. and there's there's this amazing drama. You know, it's best, yeah. best out of five polls, and you're seeing these men and women who have this very specialized skill set enter the pit. And so there's this all this focused energy, just like a wrestling ring. Yeah. And all, all eyes are on these two individuals and Bart, the referee, Bart Wood. Yeah. Uh, so you're looking at these three individuals and two hands clasped, and it's a matter of inches and centimeters uh, of who wins these matches. And there's cash in the middle of the table. They throw uh-huh. the money down, and the drama's at its highest. I, I love being part of the World Arm Wrestling League broadcast. And uh, I'm really excited. I'm hoping to, to, be, to do some more with them next year. Um, but... It's, it's just like wrestling, and there's, there's, there's this weird art to it. There's this weird drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you like sport, if you like entertainment, um, it is something where you're going to love the World Arm Wrestling League. It's, it's easy to watch. It's easy to view. And uh, it's something that 
I don't know. I didn't know what to think of it when I was approached. And then I got there and I was in the moment and I was into it. I, I loved it. So if you like wrestling, give the world arm wrestling a try. It's a lot of fun. You know, you talk about it like it is a wrestling match. Do you think an arm wrestling match could work on an ROH card, maybe at intermission or something wow. like that? I, I've talked to Jay at the World Arm Wrestling League, and we partnered up for uh, we partnered up for the the night before uh, G1 Supercard. We oh, yeah, 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 yeah right I was there. Yeah. I called the action with Taven. Yeah, yeah. PCO ended up coming out the, coming out the champ, and you know I could see I, I could see a place for that in pro wrestling. I mean, I always loved the Jesse the Body arm wrestling competition with guys like Tony Atlas, Rick Rude, Van Hammer. Yeah. You know those those that was fun. It was a little little bit different to spice things up, and I think I could I could be fun here in Ring of Honor. Bring Van Hammer to ROH. That's that's literally why I said that, because that's what I want <laughs> to say. Great. Awesome. Uh, so, Ian, uh, I'm really glad we got to bring up Van Hammer. That's yeah. a big plus for me. Is there anything you want to plug, promote, put over here before we wrap up the interview? Can I bring up Scotty Riggs? I, th I thought I saw Scotty Riggs at Disney World. It was not him. I, inter oh. I, I introduced myself, and it, and it led to me being friends with Scotty Riggs on Twitter, which is pretty cool. Well, okay. So, um, But things I want to plug. Uh, Ring of Honor, uh, huge, uh, huge night tonight in Toronto, but coming up, uh, Atlanta, Nashville. Uh, Global Wars Espectacular with all the stars of CMLL against the stars of Ring of Honor. It's going to be three great nights coming to Dearborn, Chicago, Milwaukee. I'll hope to see you in Chicago. I will be there in Chicago, oh, awesome. absolutely. So, yeah, those are going to be three great nights. And, um, you know, uh, I have a T-shirt right now on ROHWrestling.com. It says Happy Wrestling. That's how I sign off. The money goes to the Bradbury Sullivan LGBT Center in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Dude, that's so awesome what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, and, and Ring of Honor has been a great partner, too. You know, say what you will, but Ring of Honor really helps the wrestlers, the commentators, the crew, um, you know, helps advocate for the causes that we personally believe in. So thank you to Ring of Honor for allowing me the platform to do that. And we put it up for Pride Month. It was super successful. So I thank everybody that bought one. And we've decided to just keep it up in perpetuity. So any money made off of that is going to go to Bradbury Sullivan. So thank you to everybody that bought one. If you haven't, uh, check it out, ROHproshop.com or ROHwrestling.com. That will get you to the same place. And you can check it out there. Thank you much, uh, very much, Michael, for joining me at the top of the show. Excellent punditry here today. Thank you to Ziggler, Shelly, Rick Abani, uh, and Ring of Honor, uh, Dave from the Rec Room. You're great. Thank you, uh, and thank you all for listening here today. It's been a whirlwind couple days for me. Uh, I will be here Tuesday through Thursday for the Winkley, and then Friday. Uh, I might just, uh, I think I'm just going to go take a boat out to Lake Michigan and just <laughs> sit in silence for a little while on Friday here. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, it was really, really, really reward, rewarding going out and get that content. I'm glad to be able to roll it out for you guys this week. Um, if you like the show, uh, of course, go over to our iTunes channel, Wrestling Inc. Audio, five-star ratings. Uh, nice comments, always appreciated. Of course, subscribe to us on YouTube as well. All of our content is going to be rolling out there this week. Uh, I even have one extra interview I'm going to be putting out there next week uh, on top of all of the other uh, video content we put out as well. Uh, tomorrow on the show, you're going to get my interviews with WWE Hall of Famer Mick Foley, current Ring of Honor World Champion Matt Taven, and uh, Ring of Honor Tag Team The Bouncers, Brian Milonis and uh, the, Bruiser, uh, the Beer City Bruiser, uh, a.k.a. Matty Winchester, um, uh, uh, all three conversations, some of my favorites from the weekend. So I have no doubt tomorrow's show will uh, blast your ear holes in a good way. Uh, Michael, <laughs> is there, that was good, right? Blast your ear holes. There you go. In a good way. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is the, what's the bad way? Anyway, <laughs> screeching. Anyway, uh, yeah. Rebecca Black's Friday. Yes. We're not going to do that. Blasting your ear holes in the best way possible. Um, what do you want to plug, promote, put over here to wrap up the show, Michael? Dude, I'm trying to get out of here this weekend, too. My wife and I's anniversary is coming up at the end of this week, so we got a little cabin in Georgia, so I'm going to try to take a few days off the radar. But before then, hopefully, I've got a piece I'm working on. Uh, does professional wrestling here in 2019, we all want to see it happen. 
at All Out here in a few weeks, but does professional wrestling still need CM Punk? And so oh. I'm working that idea out a little bit. But also, I had a piece just go up this weekend that I scheduled wrong, but so I think it went out like in the wee hours of Friday morning. Um, but uh, I looked at the history of professional wrestlers in superhero media of course my favorite bone saw randy savage in sure. the original spider-man film um, but kind of went through the top 10 appearances of that so check that out i'll post it up on my twitter which by the way is at the real wiseman and if you want to see pictures of that cabin i'm going to be standing or just the woods where i'm going to be out there doing what william regal did as the real man's man back in the early 90s um, you can follow me on instagram i am at wiseman.ma well there it is guys hey i'm at wink rebel over on twitter thank you so much for tuning in i'll talk to you tomorrow and remember if you winked you didn't miss it Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.